Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary.org Hardcore 2.0, Episode 6. Steve and the Moss are joining me. How's it going, man? Good. Finished leg training and ready to rock and roll on this uh, podcast. This is going to be a fun one. This episode, we're going to talk about Prima Bowling, Dyna Bowl, and the Arnold Bulk. So we're going to take you back in time. Arnold Schwarzenegger, no matter... You could be 80 years old or you could be 20 years old. You know, everybody loves Arnold. Everyone loves that Arnold physique. Everyone wants to be the next Arnold. Everyone, you know, inspires for that look. And, uh, you know, he really had one of the best bodybuilding looks of all time. So this is a stack that Arnold ran Back in the day. So we're going to talk about that and we're going to show you exactly how to do it so you can actually try to be your best. You know, there there'll never be another Arnold, but you can kind of push yourself to kind of look and get that Arnold bulk to your to your physique. And he talks about it, you know, a lot of the stuff. So we'll get into that. This is going to be Euro Pharmacies products, Dianable and Primabolin. And it's very important with Prima Bowl. Now, with Diana Bowl, Mobster, it's very, very cheap. Yeah. I don't think any source is dumb enough to fake Diana Bowl, but some still do it. Some still, uh, they'll sell fake Diana Bowl. Now, if you go online, you start searching for Diana Bowl, the first links that you're going to see aren't legit Diana Bowl. It's going to be some supplement where it says <laughs> Diana Ball on the bottle or something like yeah. it might say yeah, something yeah. similar to Diana Ball. And these are basically, if you look at the actual ingredients, which they try to hide from you, they do a really clever job of hiding what's actually in it. All you're buying is, is, is just some vitamins and some herbals and they'll sell it and make it seem like it's Diana Ball. A lot of people get suckered into that. And we see that all the time. I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really surprised that these people are able to sleep at night cheating people like this. Yeah, Mobster, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. Bodybuilding magazine. Oh, yeah, yeah, you ever yeah. get a bodybuilding no. magazine? Look at the back. I get them all the time, man. And, I, and let me talk, let me talk to the people. I said, I said listen to this one, listeners. Right. So there's some legal bullshit. And I'm thinking of a particular person and a particular company name, which I'm not going to say on this podcast. I don't want them to come and get their lawyers kicking their asses. But here's how that shit works, Steve. So there is a uh, wonderful medical process, the name of which escapes me, uh, the pressures of being on a podcast on my brain not working straight after legs, where essentially what they do, Steve, is they have the tiniest possible amount, like less than a half percent, where even if it's legit debolt, this tiny fractional amount, it would make zero difference to anybody it's almost like it's been contaminated by debol but in the t- like literally you know like a few grains at the bottom of the of the peel 
uh, it's, it's just not worth mentioning. And in that particular way, they get it past the FDA so they can claim it's Debolt, but really it's not even bothered. As Steve said, you don't even see it on the ingredients. And the reason you don't see it on the ingredients, even if legally speaking it's in there, is because it's in a negligible man, like a trace amount, Steve. And then they use names that are almost the same spelling but aren't, or the name of a product that back in the day the patents ran out on. So initially, you know, 25, 30 years, whatever it is, the name is no longer used so they can use it. And then they'll put like the trademark symbol on. In reality, Steve's is quite, it's at best some weak ass combination of amino acids, but you're paying $100 for it, Steve, for something that's really $20, $30 at best. So it, 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 it's, and it's just kind of like sold to the naive. And the other thing, which is kind of telling Steve, even in the magazines, it's in the classifieds. It's not a proper advert. It's not even trying to be a proper advert. It, you, they've done it a couple of times 20 years ago, but now it's in the classifieds. So it'll say, real steroids available. Blah, 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 blah. They can't sell them to you guys. They can't post them to you. The FDA would be on their asses if there was anything like an effective dosage in there. So it is literally a trace amount that they don't even have to mention the ingredients to get past the FDA. And it's kind of like one of the industry's cons and, and, and frustrating, Steve, because A, it's just not what it says it is. B, it's the same damn price as real steroids or maybe a fraction less. And it's just aimed at the naive and impressioned people thinking, oh, yeah, and, and what's really annoying as well, if you're a parent and you pick up this magazine that your son or your daughter's reading, you go, it says here there's a selling storage. Have you been burning? Magazines can't do that. The magazine will be closed down. The company that publishes the magazine will be closed down. So it's just like, it's one of those, how the fuck are they able to keep this con going, Steve? So it's just crazy. It really annoys me. Um, you know, either sell legit stuff or don't. I mean, we actually wish they would sell it in magazines or, or, or in the mass market, whatever else, but under the purview of a doctor. But they don't, they can't, so it's bullshit. Guys, if you think about sending off from, send me the money. Send Steve the money. We'll have a party. We'll, we'll go to the Bahamas on the money that you think you're spending on real steroids. Trust me, you're not. Back to you, Steve. So don't get me started now on Primo Bowling. Now, Primo Bowling, this one, even if you go to a, you know, a mm. source that's out there and that's actually selling real steroids or attempting to break the law and sell real steroids on the underground black market, there's a good yeah. chance you're going to get fake Prima Bowl. Now, they usually, what they'll do, they'll sell the Prima Bowl as DECA. And the reason for that is DECA is a hell of a lot cheaper to produce. Prima Bowl is very, very expensive. So they'll do it that way. And it's really, you know, uh, DECA is kind of similar to Prima Bowl in, in a lot of ways because it's mild. It doesn't aromatize very heavily, so you'll be using it, and you may not even know that you're using Prima Bolin. So they, they do that a lot. And, um, you know, so you have to really be careful. This is why important. Euro pharmacies, they have the legitimate Prima Bolin. They're made yes. in a lab. They're made by scientists and doctors who are educated on how to make this stuff. They care about putting out a good product. You know, they, they check the product to make sure that it's good quality before they sell it to you. Now, the guy in the gym selling steroids, he's getting it from his buddy who has a, 
homeland and he makes the to the he makes the gear out of this toilet out of his bathtub <laughs> and then he sells it he doesn't test it to make sure it's good he doesn't make sure that it's 100 you know near 100% pure prima bowling he doesn't care he just wants to make money and most of the time he's on high or something he's drunk or he's on drugs or something so you're going to trust someone like that to give you something to put in your body, or are you going to trust an actual doctor, an actual scientist who actually knows chemistry and who is legally making this stuff in another country under that country's laws and under that country's regulations, and then able to ship it to you? You know, so that's what your pharmacies is all about. That's why your pharmacies is the place to trust for your prima bone and your dinable. So must have touched on that a little bit. And then we'll start talking about 70s bodybuilding. Yeah. I mean, the, the way that it works for me, Steve, is how long have we, you and I, never mind the listeners. And I'm telling you now, if we've got a hundred thousand listeners, uh, especially through Evo and the, and, and the rest of the Evo family forums, where we, we will link to this and YouTube and iTunes and whatever else, there's going to be a good, I'd say 20,000 that's tried your pharmacy's products. And I say that through direct and from uh, agents and reps and companies that sell EP products. And here's the thing, guys. They've been around a long time. I, I personally aware of it. Just, just from my experience with Evolutionary, I've been around coming up four or five years, Steve. So just that long right there. And then how long have they been around before? I think off the top of my head, we're talking about 25, 30 years. And here's the, here's the thing again. And Steve, Steve knows this the same as what I do. Companies come and go. We've, we've had sponsors that have been and gone in that time. But when you're around 25 or 30 years, you could not get away with pushing out fake-ass products. And the simple fact of the matter is I haven't tried EP's Primo. But I have tried multiple other products from Euro pharmacies. And I know for a fact that Steve has. I, I can go on the forums right now and say who he has tried. And I could have a dozen names within the next 10 minutes. You know, it's real, real easy for me. So I've had products come from them. I've used their products. Steve's used their products. Most of the reps on the forum could say the same. Certainly a huge proportion. Everybody's got a product or a company or source that they like in particular. Why, my, why am I saying this about Europharmacies? Because I've been involved with them, using their products, sourcing material from them for a long last time. I'm familiar. I know how long they've been in the marketplace. And like I said, you don't get to stay in the marketplace for 25, 30 years if you are not legit, if you are scamming people. Everybody's going to come on with this company. And you see this all the time, Steve, where, Nine times out of ten, if someone comes on and slags them off, it's A, because they fucked up with the order, or B, because they've got another company they want to push. EP, for me, is one of the G goats. It's out there because it stayed, and it is, if it, I'm going to say in the top three in the industry all the time, Steve. So there we go. You know what I'm going, guys? Let's talk about 70s bodybuilding. I have the dubious pleasure of being around this game a long, long time. But not, I couldn't quite say that I was back there in the 70s. But what I have had the experience of is 
combination of my knowledge and history, the books and research material that I've got here. I've got an amazing physical culture iron game library upstairs. And even better, and I had to think about this, Steve and I were talking about in a pre-show, and I said, I, I know of people that have specifically talked to or were buddies with Arnold back in the day. And we were talking about this in a pre-show. And as we went live, I remembered the name, Steve. So one of the guys who I've actually physically spoken to myself in person, uh, one of the uh, Oscar Hardenstam Foundation leaders back in the day was a fellow called Dr. Leo Rosa. I think he passed away a couple of years ago. And both him and an another great book that you guys need to look out for, there's a series of them called Muscle Smoke and Mirrors, book one, two, and three, written by the great author, Randy Roach. Randy spoke to people, and I remember thinking he's actually spoken to Dr. Leo Rosa as well. And, and Dr. Leo Rosa's claim to fame was being in California at that time in the back of a convertible with three other guys, including Arnold, and the cruising man and chatting to girls and doing all the shit that young male bodybuilders were doing in the 70s. So you've got that specifically. So you've had conversations there. How much Debo, how much Primo, what was they using? Where did they get it from? Where were they getting it from, guys? From a doctor. Legit going to a doctor and buying it. Uh, on prescription. So there are several stories again. Right. Number one would be that there was a doctor working out of, not I mean literally in the gym, but just around the corner for the gym. And if you went to the gym and you looked like you were good and you were part of the group, you're in a circle, if you like, you were. this is the guy that you went and saw. Big fan of bodybuilding. You went and spoke to him. And again, this is a muscle smoke and mirror, Steve. And he would put you on D-ball. He would put you on something. And he was even in those days, doing blood tests uh, and making sure that if you had any side effects, we're lowering the dosage and so on and so forth. So that was part of that as well. And again, it's just uh, one more thing, Steve, and this is the great, almost the best example, was Arnold admitted on a, 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 a early evening primetime uh, chat show, I believe, with Barbara Walters, which was a huge interview back in the day, Steve, so Arnold comes on, he sits down on the couch, very much in the style of all the popular chat shows that you have now, and uh, practically the first thing she tries to do is ambush him with the, what about you bodybuilders using steroids? And Arnold says, yes, straight away. No no sort of getting uh, flustered, no uh, trying to backpedal, and it's not this, it's this, it's that. But no, straight away admits it. He says, under prescription, from a doctor, uh, all legal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then because Arnold being Arnold, the gift of the gab, his force of personality, brings this woman, famous interviewer, on side, and by the end of the interview, they're like, best pal, Steve. So you can't argue with this whole stuff. I mean, there's always rumours and stories. We know how this works. Uh, my best buddy knew his best buddy, his third uncle, et cetera, et cetera. No, 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 no. Arnold admitting to taking steroids in an interview on prime time, nationwide i believe steve cbs something like that back in the day tv people that were with him specifically at time and then randy roach cross-referencing there's at the back of the book there is an index and in the index it says from a phone call the date the time and who it was with from an interview from a letter from a, a magazine and and i know there's a bunch of biographies on arnold schwarzenegger so the bottom line here guys is if we say Arnold did Primo and Debo, we're pretty much golden, Steve. I don't think we can go wrong with that. You could argue maybe potentially about the dosages, and we're going to get into the dosages briefly. I think the other thing that's well worth saying when talking about 70s bodybuilding, 
is that steroids were invented or isolated and discovered the late 1800s. But in terms of uh, their appearance into the iron game of the use by bodybuilders, we're talking about the late 50s, early 60s. But by the time Arnold and the others got to California, they were already available to Inner Circle. They'd been available by, by doctors, etc., from the York Barbell guys. And again, this is all referenced out there, guys. You can check this. It's not just mobs are making this stuff up. And then specifically, there's always been doctors and people with source material way back in the 60s and 70s that would make this stuff available, Bobby Brothers. But what you really want, and because what we will must want now, really, is the same situation they had then. You didn't go to the trunk of a car in the gym, which is what kind of was going on. You went to a doctor locally and the doctor tested your bloods and made sure, you know, if you had gyno coming up, if you had issues with spots and oily skin, if you had any of the potential side effects, if there were issues with your blood measures for liver and kidney issues and so on and so forth, he would lower the dose. And it, it was all, we're talking about fractional dosages compared to nasty. So there's an argument even for steroids when you talk about 70s and 80s bodybuilding, especially 70s bodybuilding, almost being the golden age because you had situations like this that were occurring. What do you think, Steve? Well, we can make a honest assess assessment of what these guys were doing back in the 70s because what did they have access to? You got to remember, mm. they didn't have access to any way to drop estrogen levels. Yeah. So what would happen in those days is people would run Debel and they'd run too much of it and they'd end up with gynecomastia and they, they'd be walk, walking around with man boobs. Now, you don't see that on videos because – Look, it's you know it's edited, and they're not going to videotape anyone with man boobs. So, if you look at videos from the seventies, it's like wow, everybody looks like Arnold. Everyone looks like Frank Zane. Everyone looks like these incredible guys with these incredible physiques. They're lean, they're ripped. But in reality, most people weren't like that. If you go to a normal franchise gym today, mobster, during rush hour, five to six o'clock, you will find a handful of guys and girls that look just as good as the top 1% of bodybuilders in the 70s. So we've come a long way when it comes to PED usage and training and diet and all this stuff today, supplementation. And so, I mean, obviously we've advanced much further now where someone like Frank Zane would go on stage at a bodybuilding contest, even at a regional competition, and he'll get blown out of the water. So my point is, back then, they had access to what they had access to, and they could not get aggressive the way guys can get aggressive today because they don't have the access to the ancillaries that we have today. And they didn't have access to the HGH and the trend and the other stuff, too. So boss, we got to go right where they went. And one of the more popular cycles they ran was Primobolin. They couldn't run testosterone. They had no way to combat estrogen. So they ran Primobolin which did not convert to estrogen, and they ran some D-ball with it, a handful of D-ball here and there just to give their cycle a little bit of a kick because primobolin by itself is pretty damn weak and pretty too, too mild to really do anything. So if you're a lean guy the way Arnold and Frank Zane was back in the 70s and you took a bunch of primo, you could do that. You could take a shit ton of primo, and Arnold was supposedly taking 100 milligrams a day of primo. So that's 700 milligrams yeah. a week. That's a pretty strong dose. So then what do you do to give the kit, the, the cycle a little bit of a kick? You add in Dynable. So that's why they were using this stack back then. It was a very popular stack. Another steroid they were using too, DECA. They use DECA. They like DECA. They also like Proviron. 
back then too. So that's another cycle that maybe in a later podcast we'll talk about. But, you know, on this one, the pre-mobile and D-bowl cycle, no testosterone. Oh my God, you need testosterone, mobster. You're going to die if you don't <laughs> use testosterone. Your dick's not going to work if you don't use testosterone. <laughs> they did not use testosterone. Testosterone wasn't something that bodybuilders started using until well into the 80s and the 90s because that's when they came up with the idea to use Novodex on cycle. And that's when AI started coming on the scene. You started having Arimidex come on the scene. Letro actually was the big one. They would basically take Letro and it was basically a nightmare trying to balance their estrogen levels because they'd slam their estrogen levels too low. So it was a disaster. So a lot of guys just refused to even use Letro. But it wasn't until really Arimidex and then Aromacin, which is the more modern AI, came along. That's when guys started using testosterone. So, yeah, Mobster, jump in, and then we'll get into Primo talk. Yeah, just a few things here, Steve. One that occurred to me, you mentioned the name just then, and he was known as the doctor, was Frank Zane. And I think Frank was probably one of those guys that was actually keeping notes in terms of dosages and responses and so on and so forth. So when the guys would get together, Frank was the guy that was coming out with this information. They was all running what they were running, but Frank was saying, oh, if I run 200 milligrams, this happens. If I run 250 milligrams, this happens. So he became the scientist or the doctor on that basis. His actual job in, back in the day was a math teacher. So he had that kind of logical, analytical mind. And that was actually useful, having those conversations with other guys. Secondly, of course, is availability, as you say, Steve. For, so it's an example. We've covered this in another podcast. Trend. Trend really wasn't available then and didn't really come onto the scene to the late 80s, early 90s in the form of phenoplex. So availability. And then lastly, which I've just covered kind of already, is dosages. And the simple fact of the matter is that even by rumour and reputation, Arnold was, according to some, and I'm going to say the more jealous bodybuilders because they were trying to figure out why Arnold was that much better than him, and it's just because he was a more competitive, more analytical, more driven athlete as opposed to taking loads more steroids, they would claim that he was doing this amount of Debo or that amount of Primo or whatever, and it was more than they were doing. That's the reason he's a better bodybuilder because he's taking more than me. In reality, the biggest numbers that Steve and I are familiar with, and again, we'll get into dosages shortly, is that it was still a fraction, and I mean a fraction, of the numbers that we see being suggested today for top professional bodybuilders. You have to remember that Arnold, at his absolute best, arguably, Steve, was 225 pounds. And I believe he's six one and a fraction. So a little tiny bit shorter than me. And he still looks damn good in his 70s. So here's the thing, guys. It, 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 what, what he would be, again, a, a, a physique or classic. He would not be an open bodybuilder based on his best look, best body weight. And the same thing applies to all the other guys. Franco, as Steve said already, be what was he, 180 something, Steve? That would, he wouldn't even be a 212, never mind a 202 as it used to be. So, yeah, just get all that, forget about the, the, the crazy dosages didn't happen. Availability, there the was not 20 or 30 different kinds of steroids available. And they weren't, it's just, it's just the limited access and the, the almost what Steve and I would call sensible dosages was still producing what were at the time world class athletes. Let's get into the primo, Steve. So primo bowling talked about it earlier. It's a DHT derivative, very very mild. You're going to be on primo bowling, and it won't even feel like you're on anything. 
especially if you've already used more harsh steroids. And that's really what it's, you know, that's really the point. And um, so your pharmacies, they have um, some good Primobolin. They have basically two options. You have the Primobolin Enanthate, which is 100 milligrams per milliliter. And then you have the Primobolin Acetate, which is 50 milligrams a milliliter. So, you know, I, my personal preference, mobsters, to go with the longer ester, the Enanthate. And yeah. the reason for that is it's going to be less injections. You don't have to inject it so much. So you can do like two cc's twice a week. That'd be 400 mil milligrams. If you do three cc's twice a week, then that would get up, get you up to 600 milligrams. So that would be an option for you. Now, back in the day, you know, we were pretty sure that Arnold used to do one cc a day. So he'd do one cc a day. And it would come out to 700 milligrams a week. Now you're going to say, well, it's a long ester, Steve. You're only supposed to do long esters once or twice a week at the most, right? I understand that. But because it's just 100 milligrams per milliliter, you know, it, you know, primobolin is one of those where, you know, you do a large amount into one muscle infrequently. You can do that, but that's a lot of volume to be injecting. You know, it's not like taking testosterone sipinate that's 250 milligrams a milliliter and each cc is 250 milligrams no on this one each cc is 100 milligrams you see so it's just a lot of volume to be pinning that much into one muscle and there's a greater chance of, of getting post-injection pain and that's not fun when you get post-injection pain it can really alter your workouts it can alter your sleep it can just be a pain in the butt literally a pain in the ass so that's that's kind of the way, but a lot of guys, you know, some guys like to go with the premium and acetate and you can go, you know, you can go that route too. It really, it really depends. So they give you those options. So that's cool that they give you those different options. And if you uh, check it out on your pharmacies, you'll see it's listed mobster as methan, methan olone acetate or methanolone enanthate. So that's premium depot. And then the other one, the acetate is Primobolin acetate. So that's what you look for. So EP, really, really good Primobolin, as pure as you're going to find. And it's really, really good stuff. So Primobolin, it's not going to aromatize into estrogen. It's not going to give you side effects. It's not going to give you androgenic side effects. So it's very, very mild. It's not going to give you rapid results. It's something you're going to need to use at least 10 or 12 weeks because it's going to take time to really shape your body. So you can't be using it four or five weeks and come off. Even if it's the acetate version, you still would, even with acetate, need to run it at least 10 weeks, in my opinion, to really, really see the results from it. And you're not going to get like quick results. Like if you haven't, like I, I ran Primo Ball on before, Monster. And I hadn't seen someone in a couple, in a couple months. And I ran into them and they're like, wow, you look more cut you look more well-defined. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you. I'm like, yeah, thank you. I didn't notice that I look more cut and more defined because I'm looking at myself yeah. every, you know, frequently in the mirror all the time. It's not like you run Anadrol or run Trend and you're like, boom, you get these crazy results. You know, and it's not like you get these crazy strength results in the gym. Your strength is barely going to budge on Prima Bowling. So it's going to be one of those things where you may not notice the results, but over time you'll notice the results. Mobster, give us your thoughts. 
So here's here's the thing, guys. What sometimes happens when we're having these kind of uh, in-depth conversations when we get amongst the guys, and I, I, as I said in another podcast a few weeks ago, Steve, I said one of my buddies was uh, he could tell you where they'd move the carbon atom on the molecule when they were making a particular steroid and why it was in its position. And yet, if you looked at him, especially back then now, he's super ripped and lean, but he's running mini marathons in the middle of the night, Steve. But back in the day, he was a chubster. But he was the kind of scientist of our group. He had a lot big-time OCD. And so here's the thing, guys. On paper, some steroids are absolutely amazing. And in reality, they're not. Now, Primo's kind of the opposite. On paper... You look at it and you think, why would I why would I use this? But it's one of those steroids, Steve, that when, for example, with Dianabol, you put it together, you have an amazing anti-catabolic steroid. So it's one of those ones, and there's a great article that we're going to reference here. When you're doing a cut, why does Primo seem to do that job? It basically holds on to, and of course, that would probably be part of its original design, clinically speaking, as much of your muscle tissue as possible so that you don't lose too much muscle while you're dieting. Now, it's a simple case. If you wasn't using steroids, you'd lose a bit of muscle. What we're looking for here, especially with what I think this, this great cycle from Europharmacies is good for, Steve, a lean bulk. So in other words, you're getting leaner, you're doing a cut if you're just using Primo on its own, and you keep your hard-earned muscle. Now, when we combine it, as we are here with Dynabol, you've got that great combination. Now, anabolism especially the anabolism from Dynabol and the anti-catabolism from Primo. Like I said, there's, I, I've seen numbers put to different steroids, Steve, and different ratios of, you know, this much for strength, it got seven, this much for lean, but keeping, you know, keep getting you leaner, it got a four, and so on and so forth. And then in reality, you tried it and I tried it, and we'd rate it differently. Primo is one of those ones where you think it's going to, on paper, score really low, because it doesn't seem to be good for this, it doesn't seem to be good for that, and yet, there it is, doing its job, keeping muscle tissue on you, making you leaner, and as you said, you don't think you're getting lean, you see it pop into a body, and it's just on Primo, and he's going, hang on, there's something about it, it looks different. So yeah, on paper, Steve, chemically speaking, in terms of a score, if you give it a score, shouldn't perform that well, but it did, it did in the 70s, it does now, and especially when you combine it with something like Dynabolt, as we're about to talk about, Steve. Back to you. Now, Dianabol is added to this. Dianabol does have estrogenic and androgenic effects. Yeah. So that's going to basically stack well with Primobolin because Primobolin does not, you see? So it's kind of like yin and yanging each other. So this, yes. yeah, the, the, the D-ball's thrown in there. They like to use the D-ball. And... They like to use the D-ball to kind of shape things. D-balls are really short half, like can be very flexible. So let's say Arnold was trying to get the pump. You're trying to get the pump. You're trying to get more size on your muscles, right? So the D-ball would, would work really, really quickly at kind of bloating up your muscles and making them big, you know? So the primo bowling is more shaping and, and definition and, and cutting and kind of molding the body. And then the diet D ball is kind of like the inflating the muscles, yeah. you know? So they work really good together versus running, let's say testosterone and D ball. No, testosterone and D ball, you're going to get fluffy. You're going to get bloated. 
So you run the Primo and the Debo. Now the trick with the Debo is you want to kind of set it up the same way they were using it, and you want to kind of play around with the dosing where you don't need an AI. Now the Primo Bolin has anti-estrogen properties. Now that's a bonus. Now, and that's another reason they would run, they like this stack, because the Primo Bolin would kind of act as your anti-estrogen against the D-Bowl, you see? So you could kind of play around the D-Bowl dosage. It might be 10, 20, 30 milligrams a day, somewhere in there, but you can kind of adjust it. Now, if you're at 30 milligrams of the D-Bowl and you start noticing, wow, I'm getting more bloated, then you drop the, the D-Bowl dose back down, you might want to up the Primo. You got to kind of balance it. So maybe do 700 milligrams a week of the Primo and then do 30 milligrams a day of the D-Bowl but then kind of drop the dose of the D-Bowl down to 20 if you start getting more bloat. And then if the bloat isn't going away, drop it to 10. And then the, the bloat should go away. And, and then you can kind of keep it there and then maybe adjust it back up to 20. Now, this is something – this is, you know, keeping things flexible. You know, you're keeping things flexible when you do it like this. And um, that's what they used to do. I mean, they, they wouldn't even know how much they were taking. They would just take a handful of D-Bowl and yeah. see what would happen. And if they started getting blow, then they would know, oh, yeah, I'm going to take less of it or I'm going to skip it this day. You know, that's what they would do back then. You know, they didn't have access to blood work like we do today where they get, go get bloods done and see what their estrogen levels. They, didn't, they couldn't do that. Now you can order blood work and go the next day and get results. Or if you live in, in, in Britain, you can go to your doctor and through the medical system and get, get your blood work the next day, you know, after you get it or go private insurance or whatever. And, yeah. you know, and they didn't have those. They didn't have that back then. Back then, it was just, you, you know, you kind of just kind of go with the flow. I mean, you kind of just have to gauge. You didn't understand about estrogen and all that shit back then. Now, a few of the top bodybuilders did. I'm sure Arnold had some some good inside information about estrogen but the normal dude you know at at a 70s gym you know in south california you walk in there and you start talking to them about estrogen he's not gonna know what the hell you're talking about you know so it was a lot different back then you know everything was so different in the 70s they didn't have you know all this shitty food that we have today now, everything now is processed everything i was at a football game yesterday could you believe you know there's nothing healthy sold at the football game, <laughs> nothing, and, you know, and it's like, and people are stuffing their faces the whole game with hot dogs and French fries and, and, um, you know, chicken fingers and pizza and, you know, it's just all bad food. It's chicken just, fingers. it's all junk food, you know? And that's, yeah. that's what we've become used to today is just eating all the junk. Then they didn't have junk food. So if you're going to follow this, this stack, could you at least eat the way they were eating in the 70s? Back in the 70s, yeah. Yeah. they didn't stop at the gas station to get their breakfast. Oh, I'm going to get a burrito or I'm going to get a sub. Oh, because it's healthy. It's healthy. A sub is healthy for me. They, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have that back then. They didn't believe in that crap. They ate whole natural foods. You know, literally the chicken, brown rice, broccoli thing that everyone makes fun of that bodybuilders eat. Yeah. That's literally what they ate. You know, and that's really all your body needs. You've got your protein, you've got you got your carbs, and you've got your vegetables. You got your vitamins and minerals from the vegetables. What what else do you really need? So, mobster, yeah, talk about your thoughts on this. Yeah, 
I'm thinking, Steve, I mean, referencing just pumping iron, right? So if you're taking Primo and you're dieting down for a competition, and in those days, some of the guys would diet, uh, grow, grow into a competition, which is still rare even now. Um, you think the classic line from Pumping Iron movie was the pump. And if D Bowl doesn't give you a pump, nothing does. So think about what you're talking about. One of the we've we and you've talked about, for example, if you're doing 30 milligrams a day, trying 20 milligrams before your workout because of the pump. Now, of course, we can take Cialis, we can there are various other things we could do, but again, this is one of those things where uh the guys weren't super a few were. So you're not talking about crazy drying out diuretics. That started to creep in. And again, I'm going to say the late 70s, early 80s. Thing. So what you're talking about here was guys that were using Debo and getting crazy pumps from the glycogen, from the water. And again, you're using, you're, you are dieting. You are trying to get into shape. We've seen photographs of, you know, strurations on Tom Platz's fires and, and kind of gnarly looking both for Franco and Arnold on their chest when they got into what we would consider to be good condition. And uh, again, I'm just thinking of pumping iron, Steve, when the guys are all training and Arnold's in there doing his rows and, and doing chest exercises and blowing up like a motherfucker. That's Debo right there, Steve. That's just, that's that's even if he was using what some said he was using, that's 50 or 100 milligrams. In reality, probably somewhere between 30 and 50 milligrams. Fine. That, that's a great dose for us now. It was a great dose back in the day. And like I said, Steve, you're talking about feedback amongst the guys. Uh, it's very rare now, although we occasionally see it on the videos, YouTube, etc. for the guys to go and eat. But back in the day, if you were part of the gang, what you saw in Pumper 9 was kind of half true. The guys would go, I think, to, to, was it the firehouse? That was very much an 80s thing. And the late 70s, they were going to other places that Arnold was involved in. And as Steve said, I think scrambled eggs, on toast and sitting there. And what do you think they were talking about? They're talking about training, they're talking about girls, and they're talking up about drugs. That's and the upcoming competition and what they were doing. So they were sharing ideas. And of course, we're talking about genetic freaks here, Steve. These are the genetic freaks of their day. So again, I don't think any of them were really doing that much different from the next guy. They might be doing a little bit more in secret and they're not telling the other guys about but who's still winning. Arnold's still winning. So, you know, they can say what they say. They can say what they're doing. They can share information, but the top dog is still the top dog. So there you go, guys. It's one of those particular situations where in, in essentially they didn't have anabolic websites like we have. They don't have the information availability that we have. The information we've got now is as good as it has ever been at any point in our history. I've said this on a previous podcast. I'll reiterate now. The information you're getting in this podcast is leading edge. And it is, the availability of their information is as great as it's ever been. They did not have that. This was literally guys sitting out some white, egg white scrambled egg on toast and a cup of coffee after the gym and sharing the information between them and going home and figuring out what to do from the information that they've got. Whereas we can say hundreds of thousands, millions of people have used Debo, millions of users have used Primo. And we can kind of figure out much better than they could, the best way to run this, whether it's oral or injectable, this dosage, that dosage. Give you an example, Steve, just on the D-Bowl from Europharmacies, you've got uh, 10 milligram and 50 milligram options with 150 uh, pill counts, uh, 25, sorry, not 50 milligram, 25 milligram 
uh, 50 pill counts and 100 in the tens. Uh, my preference, personal preference, Steve, would be for the tens, but there's nothing to stop you guys. If you do your slightly higher dosage, I'm back in the day when I've used D-Bolt, ran three pills, so 10 milligrams in the morning, 10 in the afternoon, 10 in the evening. I've experimented, as we all have, with 20 milligrams pre-training. Didn't notice a huge difference, but that might be down to the fact that now I train in the mornings. I was back in the day, I'd be training in the afternoons or evenings after work, and so on and so forth. So again, lots of experiments. We've been there. We've tried it. This is the way that we give you the information. So as a good example, there are users now that will try 20 milligrams or 25 milligram pill pre-workout. And again, this is if you, you in my mind, and if you look at top professionals that train in the morning, you're looking at at least two meals already in, Steve, for them to get the effects of the carbs and the glycogen working with the D-Bowl. That's without Primo as part of the cycle, just for that pre-work, that during workout pump that's going to make you feel good. And especially when you're dieting down for a competition. Now, as I say, for me, this cycle that we're talking about today, with the Primo included, the dosages that we're going to talk about, I feel it's like a really nice lean bulk because of the combination of the two. If it was D-Bowl on its own, it's pure bulk. But with the Primo in there and, of course, a good nutritional setup, as Steve says, it ain't a Subway, guys. It's not Rice Krispies. It's proper nutritious food. This, to me, is a great lean bulker. That's not as in a very small amount of water and or fat, but just enough to support anabolism and then the catabolism or anti-catabolism of the Primo to retain and then the anabolism from the D-Bowl to help you add new muscle tissue. I'd like to think of a cycle like this, Steve, three, four pounds, even on me and you, even with the length of time that you and I have done, if we run sensible doses on here, we could come away with three or four pounds. Now, guys, if you're new, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a great amount for a lean bulk, and especially if you retain this tissue into the long term, following tips like we've got on my tips thread, for example, a tweaking your nutrition, tweaking your training, and keeping this tissue on. Again, if you're an advanced bodybuilder, three to four pounds of new tissue, that's fantastic, Steve. What do you think? I think on this cycle, yeah, you can expect to really, you know, mold your physique. I think on this cycle, it's very, very key to work out. You know, you got to have your diet and you have your training on point. Uh, this is one of those workouts where high volume is your friend. And Arnold always talks yeah. about the pump, the pump, the pump. He loved getting the pump. And back in those days, they didn't. 100% understand what the pump was all about. And I think today, uh, most bodybuilders, I, I don't think I know, most bodybuilders don't really understand what the pump is all about. So, you know, just to, to kind of like simplify things, when you get a muscle pump, it's not like getting a cramp, okay? A pump is basically you're getting blood and other nutrients flooding into the muscle as you are working it. You know, and that's and that feeling, that burning feeling that you get when you are working out a muscle, that's lactic acid. A lot of people think, oh, I'm sore after a workout. That's because of lactic acid making my muscle sore. I'm not sure who started talk, uh, saying that. I think it was some, you know, whack job doctor, like some phony doctor that started pushing that like in the 90s or something. I don't know, because I, he I hear a lot of people repeat that, which is just not true. 
So when you're working out, that's when the lactic acid, that burning feeling you get, that's lactic acid. You got to remember working out when you're working out, you're, you're breaking down that muscle. You're tearing those muscle fibers. And the idea is you tear them down and they come back stronger. So when you're running this cycle, you're increasing protein synthesis. You're going to be able to recover from that brutal workout twice as fast. So you saw Arnold spend a lot of time in the gym, do a lot of volume, a lot of drop sets. Um, he wasn't in the gym training the way a lot of you see a lot of guys train today. And I'm not saying the way guys train today is necessarily wrong, but I do see a lot of guys training today who don't understand what training is all about in the gym, but they still get results. You know, it's like dartboard training. They still get results just because they have great genetics and they're still they're they're you know, indirectly doing what they're supposed to be doing. But if they would directly train the muscle properly, then they would get much, much better results. And at the end of the day, when you go work out, the idea is you are training your muscle, your brain, your body to be able to support a greater amount of force that you're putting on it. And when you train, so it's about breaking down the muscle. Now, a lot of guys think they have to go in there and they have to do like 25 sets of biceps to break down the muscle properly. And it's just not true. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm known for short workouts. Sometimes I'll go in there for 25 minutes. I'll do a quick 12 or 15 sets and I'll be out of there. And, um, you know, the girl at the front desk, she always gives me a hard time about it. Cause a lot of people go there for like an hour and a half. Well, they'll do the go there, they'll walk into the locker room, put their stuff in there, they'll use the bathroom, they'll look at themselves in the mirror, brush their hair, look all nice, and then they'll go and work out. They'll spend half the time socializing and half the time sitting on the bench texting some girl they met on Tinder, you know, and wasting their fucking time. No, I go in there, I handle my business, and I leave. You know, and that's and that's the way I do my workouts. I don't go in there and just jerk around. I'm not there for entertainment purposes i'm there to get my get what do what i gotta do and i'm out of there you know and it doesn't my workouts are a lot more short than and than a lot of other people that i see at the gym so um if you can train your directly train your muscles and and take advantage of that then that is going to be where you benefit from this cycle a lot of drop sets a lot of high volume a lot of targeting the muscles and not just ego, not just going there with ego. And yeah, I'm going to curl this hundred pound weight with horrible form. No, it's directly curling 30 pound weight with proper form. That's better than doing the hundred pounds in with improper form when it comes to the cycle. This isn't a strength cycle. This isn't no. a strength cycle. So why go in there and try to lift all this fucking weight just to show off? That, that's not what the cycle is all about. This cycle is about molding your body, balancing the body properly, and making sure that you're hitting each muscle group properly and not missing out. Not training just upper body and ignoring lower body. How many times do we see that in the gym? People walk in there with a tank top and pants. Why are they walking in there with pants and a tank top? They want to show off their upper body, but they don't want to show off their lower body because they don't train their lower body. How many times do we see that mobster or how many times do we see people with big fucking chests and shoulders and neck 
and traps, and they got no back. How many times do we see that? Because they don't train their back. Oh, I can't see my back in the mirror. Why should I train it? You've got to balance. And Arnold always talked about balancing when it came to this. So this is a bulk cycle, but it is a smart lean bulk cycle. This isn't a cycle you jump on and you gain 100 pounds in your bench press. So Mobster, yeah, talk a little bit about, about that. What to what else do we can expect? Now, so I'll give you a few couple of ideas, guys, and especially uh, right. So here's sometimes what happens, and this is sometimes a psychology, and it, I understand it, but it still annoys me. And that is where guys will go on cycle, and it's the one time they train, or the one time the nutrition point, the one time the rest and recovery is looked at, and hopefully adjusted and tweaked. Not always, but yeah. So you go, okay, and then they'll blow up and they'll have great results on cycle and then they don't treat the training, they don't treat the nutrition, they go back to doing the habits from before and they lose the tissue. So, you know, you're kind of like, right, hang on. So the only time you did things perfectly, you gained. And as soon as you went back to doing things less than perfectly, you lost your gain. Well, do things perfectly then, guys. On the training. So here's what I would do if I was a young or up-and-coming uh, athlete, and I was going to do a lean bulk. There's stuff you can do, and I'll use shoulder presses as an example here, guys. Let's take dumbbell, seated dumbbell shoulder presses. Uh, let's say for argument's sake that I was a young guy and I could do 60-pound dumbbells, which is a decent amount there, Steve, and I can do, I don't know, sets of 10. On this cycle, I'd actually lower the weight a little bit, 45, 50 pounds, but I would work that range. And, and what do I mean by that? I would say I'd keep the muscle tension on so that you're talking about the dumbbells getting no lower than probably the bottom of your ears and almost but not quite locked out at the top. So there's a thing. And just pump and burn. Pump and burn, guys. So you're literally working the range of movement that makes the delt, the shoulder muscle, work. It's under tension the whole damn time. And you can apply the same kind of uh, training to all the other things you're doing, whether that's non-stop at the top, non-stop at the bottom, leg extensions, whether it's constant tension, leg presses, and so on. So here's the thing, and I've seen this, and I've mentioned it before. Our local former, because I believe he's retired, professional bodybuilder, James Llewellyn, is no, by no means, a, I'm probably twice as strong as James. I, I, that's not to insult James. I don't think I've ever seen him push himself in terms of strength. But his form is on point. And I've seen him coach other people. And he will do that stuff that I've just mentioned, where the muscle tension stays the same place. So that's exactly like Steve says. I would increase the volume a little. doesn't have to be completely tweaked. But if you're a low-volume guy, changing to a high-volume or medium to high-volume is just going to give you a new kind of stress. It's keeping the muscle under tension through the range of movement like I've just described. And it's given you a new kind of stimulus that you're not used to. If, for example, you train like I do, like a power guy. Now you've got the burn that Steve mentioned already with the lactic acid, as Steve says, during a workout. And the Primo and the Debo, wow, they're going to work their magic because you are making something happen. Now, as I said already, the, guy, the mistake that too many make is with nutrition and it being nutritional on point during a cycle but not off no be on point with your nutrition 99.9 percent .9 at a time now and again you can have a blowout now and again you can have a 
a refeed or a higher carb day or whatever. But I want you eating properly in different amounts according to your needs at the time, but properly all the time or almost all the time, just an occasional blowout. Don't be one of these people that only eats properly on cycle or even worse, Steve, only during the week, like Monday to Friday, or the worst of the worst, only on the days that you train. As Steve said, huge mistakes with breakfast, huge mistakes with not being able to cook food, only getting takeouts, only going to places like Subway or Pizza Hut or whatever, get picking up meal deals. You kind of got guys very, very quickly, and we've talked about this before, meal prep, any fool can cook rice, or pasta, anybody can cook up a bunch of chicken breasts, a little bit of steam some broccoli, steam some yam, steam some uh, sweet potato, cook some sweet potato, bake some sweet potato, and mix and match these things in some Tupperware tubs. So you can be one of those bodybuilders, but especially when you're doing a lean bulk. And do all that on a Sunday morning, get up early, cook up a 20, 30, 40 chicken breast, cook up a, a, a pan, a real big pot full of uh, rice and get all this stuff bagged up or tubbed up and ready for you to rock and roll during the week. So you've got no excuse. You can eat some of these things cold if you absolutely have to. They're really easy to warm up if you've got access to a microwave or some way of keeping it warm while, you, while you're working or you're studying or whatever else and keep it on point. Now, of course, that's the trick during a cycle. I want you to be kind of like thinking that and having those kind of habits off cycle too. That way you keep your gains and of course, it's real, real easy when you've got that kind of dedication to tweak your diet, as you know, Steve, whether it's adding another meal or taking, you know, eating half of the last tub or whatever, and literally just taking 500 calories in or putting 500 calories, putting 500 in, taking 500 out, tweaking your diet, manipulating your fats, real, real easy because now you know what difference it makes. So for me, again, with a lean bulk like this, that's the kind of food I'd want you guys eating. That's the kind of training I'd like, to, like you to see you doing. And real, real easy to put on, even as an advanced bodybuilder, even someone that's been 10 years in the game, could, with this cycle, look at a good four solid new pounds of lean tissue gain. Let's talk about the potential for side effects with these two drugs, Steve. Back to you. At the end of the day, just like any other... I'll any other anabolic steroid stack, you're going to get suppressed. You're going to get shut down on this. Now, what happens, uh, a lot of people will say, oh, primobolin doesn't shut you down as much as other steroids. I, he I hear that a lot. It's just not true. All anabolic steroids that are out there will shut you down. Anytime you, you introduce exogenous hormones to your body, they will shut you down. Now, the longer you run an anabolic steroid stack, the more shutdown you're going to get. The harder it's going to be for your body to come back. I wouldn't say the more shutdown you're going to get. That's that's incorrect. So scratch that from the record. That's not what I meant. What I meant was the longer you use it, the longer you're going to be shut down and the harder it's going to be for your body to recover. So primobolin, considering you have to run primobolin for a long amount of time, that doesn't mean that it's an easy recovery just because it's a mild steroid. No, it's going to shut you down. It's going to be just as hard to recover from a primo stack of 12 weeks than the other, any other anabolic steroid stack for 12 weeks. Let's just get that off the table. Okay. Blood work doesn't lie, but people do. A lot of people say, oh, run primo 12 weeks and you won't get shut down. Of course you're going to get shut down. So you got to run a post-cycle therapy after this. 
So make sure you have your post psychotherapy ready. Your pharmacies, they have you covered. All right, they, they sell ancillaries as well. So they got you covered on that. Now, when it comes to other side effects, we talked about the Dianable. If you're if you're out of whack with a Dianable, you could run too much and then you could have estrogen-related side effects. So Dibol does rapidly aromatize into estrogen. So I would strongly recommend you keep aromacin on hand with this stack. And, um, you know, some other some other side effects. I mean, you get some aggression from the D-bowl, but it's not that bad. Overall, this 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 cycle doesn't have that bad of side effects, you know, so you should be you should be OK. Um, I know with the D-bowl and mobster, you know, this too. the appetite increase could get annoying for some of you. Um, it does increase your apathy rapidly. So but that's what we want on this. We want to have more of an appetite. We want to be eating more. We want to be eating more good foods though, nutritional foods. So as long as you eat good nutritional foods, you go into cycle, make sure you get pre-blood pre work done and make sure that you have everything on, on ready for this. Don't jump into cycle and not have your stuff already ready. It's very, very important that you have everything on point. Um, this way, there's no surprises when you when you go ahead and run your cycle. So, yeah, Mobster, why don't you touch on that for a couple of minutes, give your final thoughts, and then um, you take us into the disclaimer. Right. So back in the day, guys, people would run Primo around 200 milligrams, and 30 milligrams of the D-Bowl seemed to be the sweet spot. And again, these are the numbers that we've heard. You can you can do your own research to double check what we're saying. Now you're looking at somewhere between a recommendation. I would probably still run it a little bit less myself personally, Steve, but for the majority of listeners, 600 to 800 milligrams a week seems to be the sweet spot for Primo. And again, again, Steve and I, we, we keep the dosages on the low. I'd probably still not go much over 30 milligrams, maybe 50 milligrams. And especially if I was running the Primo at less than 600 and again, this is one of those things where you get individual response. So what Steve just gave you is a great piece of advice. And I'll, and I'll chime in here with us by saying the same. We have seen this from time to time. It is a mistake you should never make. Have your AI on hand. And I'm, I'm, I've, I've said on the forum, Steve, I run my AI second or third day of the cycle to the end of the cycle. I don't wait until I see signs. I don't wait until I have issues. To me, that's, that kind of thing is almost too late. If you're getting your blood tested, like Steve says, you can see the black and white in the numbers. But for me, it's like, why risk it? Uh, so I, I, and the mistake, as I said, that people have made, Steve, and you've touched on it, and you've got no excuse. You're a pharmacist cover on, your, on this as well. They've got the ancillaries. Buy the damn ancillaries at the beginning with the other product, with the Primo, with the D-Bowl, and have them there. Don't wait until you get signs of gyno and then have to wait another four or five days, even with super fast shipping from EP, for that stuff to get to you. So because it's kind of like the door, the door is already open, the horse is already bolted, and you're standing there waiting for the postman to turn up with a new horse. It, it doesn't make no sense to me. So I would have, even if you're, the, you're working from blood tests, and even if you're the kind of person that waits until you see signs, you want to have the product available in your sweaty palm, your your gym calloused hand, not coming in the post because you've now thought to order it because a, a buddy of yours down the gym said this, that, and the other. There will always be individual responses, Steve, as you said. For example, with the, I actually think this is a feel-good cycle. 
there may be, because of the combination, a very small increase in a few users in terms of uh, the, the higher overall testosterone levels because of the combination of the two steroids, a very small chance of an increase in test testosterone-related uh, uh, aggression, which, of course, you should use in the gym, pound the weights, get it all out of your system. But for me, this is a kind of feel-good cycle because, as I say, in terms of harshness, Primo's quite low, and Debo is, for many, especially at the 30 milligram level that we refer to, a feel-good drug. Especially for you guys that have never used it before, it's going to be one of those things. And I think the combination together, overall, it should just be a lower doses. Again, sub 600 for me, Steve, 30 milligrams. I think I'd feel great on this cycle. I think I would feel great just for the pump and just for the fact that I'm going to see better results in the mirror. I'm going to have the same result that you had when you met your buddy. I'm getting leaner. I'm keeping as much of my size and my muscle tissue as possible. My strength is about there, thereabouts. Uh, and, and ultimately, the, the combination of great pump in the gym and that feedback in the mirror, the, my muscles starting to pop, my abs starting to appear, combined with diet, combined with cardio, for me, would make this a feel-good cycle. Hey, here's the thing, guys. You cover up in the wintertime when you're super bulked, when you're out there pounding on the compounds. You don't get to see unless you're standing in front of your mirror in your centrally heated house uh, the, the, the results of your work. But now you're going to go outside and not just you is going to get to see it, say, for example, on the beach, but your buddies, your girlfriend, other people on the beach. And they're, and you're going to yeah, check that guy's abs out, check that guy's test, look at the vein on his arm. It's going to be one of those feel-good things. And again, a lean bulk, you're adding, you're adding, you're not just keeping your hard-earned winter canes, you're adding muscle tissue and you're getting leaner. So me, that makes it a feel-good cycle, Steve. So really especially if everything else is on point, you've got your healthy fats in there, so you don't get crazy. If, For example, manipulation of the carbs, Steve, pre-workout, don't have to have loads of carbs later in the day, that kind of situation you're going to get for your workouts. And for me, that especially, again, is going to help the glycogen, help the pump during the workout. So for me, this whole cycle, sensible doses, like we're talking about, is going to give you, I would think, a feel-good factor for the whole of the cycle. In terms of, as I said, managing any other side effects, uh, sometimes this is where an extra set of eyes comes in. So watch on, on Debo, for example, watch your water retention. Uh, make sure that your diet is on point. Make sure your cardio is on point. I've said this before a bunch of times, guys. You cannot just take drugs and think you're going to get lean. There are drugs like Primo that have a great reputation for helping you get lean, but they work so much better when your diet and your training is on point. Now, your diet and training should be on point regardless of the situation, whether that's in the bulk, whether that's covered up, hitting the compounds, and so on and so forth. One of the things that is, uh, I want to touch on training, Steve, just again, is uh, Steve and I have the advantage of knowing that we've made mistakes with our training in the past and knowing what real training, proper training, and I said I've done the same as Steve. When I've had an hour or less I can train my shoulders and my arms in 45 minutes. Uh, legs this morning, I had two hours, and I think I did it in an hour and 15 minutes because I was in my gym and I wasn't fucking around. And on the odd occasion, Steve and I have both done this. We've, we've seen gym buddies, we've seen members at gyms, and we've shown them little tweaks, and we've kind of fucked them up by having them, for example, squeeze the handles on things. They're little, and so the muscles, get, they're working, get under tension more. And so we've learned these kind of 
fuck you up in a good way, guys. Techniques. And we've put our phone and kept the phone in our bag. We've got our own headphones on. We're in our thing and we've got an eye on the clock. And we've had some great, great workouts, Steve, in 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Some of the greatest workouts of all time. I'm thinking of Casey Vital back in the day, Steve. 35 minutes on the leg workout from the from the um, Colorado experiment. So, yeah, learn to get the best out of your training, keep your nutrition on point, and then use this great combination to uh, kick ass and add, make, add weight in the gym. Right, guys, please note, we are not doctors, and the opinions on these shows are hours and hours alone. Our view is based on our experience and views on the topic, and podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech...